Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, it was definitely a week that had some ups and downs to it, but nice for the most part, minus the soybeans, uh, to see some higher numbers to finish out a Friday trade. But we're going to dive into what's been happening within this trade. It's hard to believe that two weeks from today, we are done trading for 2023. So we're going to take a focus on that. We're going to look at some crush numbers, some export trade, what the weather's doing and how the crops are looking in South America. And we'll take a look at what's happening on the livestock side with these feeders. So stick around. There's a lot to talk about on this week's report. Meet the champions of innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers and they nurture more than just crops. Pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber and the future of Nebraska starts right here. And welcome back once again, as you can see, joining us, Jeff Peterson. Jeff, of course, with Heartland Farm Partners and Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And I love the fact that during the growing season, it's always fun to have folks from two different Corn Belts uh, uh, focusing on the trade. But gentlemen, it's been an interesting way to start wrapping up 2023 with the way the markets are looking. And I wanted to start out just with your overview thoughts, your your elevator 30,000 foot view of what you've seen these markets look like at the second half of, of 23. And Jeff, I'll kind of start with you. If you can kind of share your thoughts. Yeah. So we, we sit back and look at it, you know, we're in that, that time in here where we don't expect it to, to have weather markets, but we're working in amongst one with the uncertainty about the weather that we're having coming out of South America. Um, in addition to that, we have to kind of always keep in, keep in mind, you know, where the funds are positioned, you know, currently the funds are, they're long on the soybean, short on the, corn short on the wheat and overall that's kind of been playing out of how the market's been trading here but we're still trying to you know sort out a little bit of the size of this crop but that's pretty well known and going forward if we're going to try to get this market to move we're probably going to have to see some supply challenges that are going to come you know out of south america what about for you sam what's kind of your thoughts of this last half of the year well, I think the theme is better than expected, right? And that's led to, you know, markets that are worse than expected, particularly for corn. And, and as Jeff mentioned, I think, you know, you're going to have to get into some supply side problems here to really keep uh, an upward tendency going from a price standpoint. Uh, the soybeans are going to be the most sensitive sensitive to that. We've got stock usage here in the, in the U.S. still around 5%, uh, you know, half of that of corn. And uh, when you look at wheat around 30%, still plenty of that. But uh, we've got a fund short that uh, could be exploited there. And so, uh, as we get into these weather markets, the, I think the beans are going to have to lead the trade. Geopolitics and headlines, I, I think, could help fuel the wheat. The corn's just got an uphill battle, though, as we go into uh, you know February, March. I think the farmers are just flush with corn, uh, and it's going to remain that way. Uh, we got to export a bunch of it, and we're hitting some of those targets. But unfortunately, it's hard to really push the throttle uh, unless we see supplies cut somewhere else. All right, Jeff, I want to ask you about this weather. It's been hot and dry in many areas of Brazil. Do you see some bigger problems coming the way for their corn and soybean crop? Well, so that, that's the interesting part uh, as we dig into that. You know, if we think about it, okay, that crop got planted uh, September 15th. Some of it, you know, had trouble getting planted, had to be replanted. But for the stuff that did get planted around September 15th, we're now about three months into that growing season. And if you think about how that lines up here in the U.S., that'd be like if we planted in May, going to June, going to July getting into August, we're now approaching that critical time on many of those soybeans. So the weather we end up seeing over the next three weeks, four weeks in here, 
uh, some areas it could be as much as five weeks is going to be extremely critical. I think we've got a big enough supply in here, though, that ultimately what has to happen is that we have to end up having in the forecast and actually the rainfall as we go forward, just some you know rainfall that is much less than normal and continue to see those warm conditions. Because the thing we have to realize is that as we go forward, we normally do see some better rains come in and we don't necessarily need to see normal rainfall by no means to end up raising a, a good crop down there. So it's gonna be critical to watch that weather over the next few weeks, Susan. Do you think, uh, Sam, as, as Jeff talks about this weather issues, do you think it's going to be detrimental or a positive for our January into February trade opportunities if they continue to have some struggles in some of those areas? I actually think it could be both. You know, we, we saw a dramatic drop in open interest when the December corn contract went off the board. I think you're going to see something very similar in, in soybeans. I think farmers, you know, we mentioned them being flush with corn, and part of that is because uh, they don't want to sell it under $5, but when you got $13 plus cash soybeans and yields where they were, you know, revenue per acre, some of those decisions get made here in the end of the year. And if you drop that open interest and then have a reason to bring it all back in, I think you could see, uh, you know, some pretty volatile trade in the soybeans. Uh, and corn is just going to be kind of a follower of that. So, uh, you know, the challenge is, you know, we mentioned it has to come on the supply side, uh, you know, mo most prominently. And unfortunately, you just cannot... Uh, get production cuts this aggressive this early in the year, we're gonna to need to see the Brazilian crop cut at least 10 million metric tons, in my opinion, to really move the needle and to give the trade confidence that these sales that we're you know, continuing to see now actually get shipped. Uh, and so it takes time to, to do that. As Jeff mentioned, you're getting into a more critical time where planting is actually coming to a close and, and, and you know, it gets a little bit more determinable in terms of what uh, crop losses could be had. So as you get to that January Feb timeframe, we're also gonna get the final January crop report uh, we'll see if any uh, you know adjustments in U.S. yields can can influence any of that, but I really think it's going to be driven more by those headlines uh, and forecasts and the money flow coming in and out of them. So, uh, what about crush numbers, uh, Jeff? Give us your thoughts. We have those crush and some decent numbers seen coming out. Yeah, the Napo crush numbers came out, and it was good to see you know a little bit over 189 million, which would be the second largest amount that we've had on any month, and the first largest would take this back to October about 5.5% over what we would have been last year. We did see a pullback from where we were last month, but if you kind of dig in and look at the, the past years, we didn't see as much of a pullback as what we'd see you know, in, in past years. Um, the interesting thing about it, we know going forward, we're gonna continue to see that crush number go up. We know we've got some more plants that are continuing to crush. We know margins that ultimately are, are looking good. Uh, switching over and looking at the soybean oil side we know the soybean oil side a little bit over 1.2 billion which is a little bit more than what the trade was expecting but overall we know that there's still very very good demand as we go ahead and take that soybean oil and work it into the renewable diesel side so that that's been a very good positive for us susan well then the fact that uh and either one of you can jump on this one there's new crush plants that are going to be coming online in the next you know 12 to 24 months so that's got to add a whole different dynamic uh to these crush numbers yeah, it's going to. And, you know, it, this is just kind of the front end of us redefining what our soy market's going to look like. We're going to be figuring out how to export the meal. Uh, and obviously the use of uh, of the oil is a big highlight of the market right now, but it's kind of kind of difficult to really put our finger on what that could be. You know, there, you could find projections that are high enough that we would struggle to even raise enough soybeans to meet the demand. And I think at the end of the day, with the rubber meets the road is going to be how the government throttles this and lays it out for us. Uh, for the next several years and, and not only us but uh, other countries around the world so i definitely think we're moving in that direction but trying to you know really pin down what it's going to look like is, is still kind of difficult when you look at the, the five to ten year span 
could Jeff, the, the Fed talks that took place earlier this week and uh, the talk about what we're going to do with these interest rates, how do you see that weighing in from an agriculturalist perspective and does it have any influence on our export opportunities? Well, a couple things there. I think it's good to see, you know, that we are seeing some talk of maybe lower rates down the road as a result of that. You know, we'll have to see whether or not that happens or not. They're definitely, the farmer is very focused on interest rates this year. And as they think about holding on this crop, that does play into the decision of how long they hold this crop a little bit more than what we've seen in past years. If we do see that interest rate back off, there is a chance we also see potentially the U.S. dollar back off a little bit, which would potentially help us depending on how other countries adjust or how we are related to other countries could help us be a little more competitive on the export side, Susan. I want to jump over to uh, livestock side for just a moment before we hit the last half of our program. And, and Sam, it's been an interesting week, week and a half for this cattle market. Uh, feeders got to see some strong trade. What is your thoughts on this cattle market and what you've seen this last week and a half? Now, I get a little bit more optimistic after seeing the trade this week. I think the, the weekly close was important. You know, we've been chewing on these big September, October placements for a while now. We've seen a ton of open interest come out of the market. And, and I think, you know, discussing some of these outside markets and the money flow is important in this because I think cattle ownership is the lowest level we've seen in, in maybe a year or more. And so, if you again, if you got to bring some of this open interest back into the marketplace, uh, you know, via a stable market and the fact that we've got, you know, still pretty decent demand, uh, you know, with, with low numbers, then you could have a, you know, some fireworks into the first quarter. So I, I think, you know, when you look at some of the feeder cattle prices that are being traded here in the cash market, you know, it's hard to get too negative on that. I still, still think there could be a story there as we go into spring, especially with such a big corn crop carry over here, over 2 billion in the U.S. There's plenty of feed available for it. So uh, that'll be a factor if we get into a weather problem. But right now, like I said, we got plenty of that feed available and around. And I think we could see a little bit of a bounce here, maybe get the feeders back up to, you know, 230, 240. And at that point might be a hedging opportunity again, depending on what the economic landscape looks like. All right, gentlemen, we are two minutes left in this program. In a nutshell, what should we be thinking marketing wise? And Jeff, I want to start with you as we wind down 2023 and get ready to hit the new year. Yeah, so a few things I think we need to really be focused on um, as we're winding up and doing some of our pre-tax planning and stuff, you know, really get your arms wrapped around where those break-evens are so we know uh, where those prices are for that 2023 crop. Also be working on those numbers for the 2024, even though we aren't going to necessarily trigger sales based off where those numbers are at, we need to know where those are at. In addition, on that old crop side, you know, uh, for those bushels that are in town, if you've got those still in town on storage or delayed pricing, um, you know, we've seen some improvements on the basis side in there. We're at a point in here we should maybe consider moving some of those from the storage and delayed pricing side over to the basis side. Go ahead and stop interest, stop storage. When I say stop interest, you'd be taking advance on those bushels. So that's something to look at. We really aren't looking to make any additional sales in here at this time, but we do need to get our finger on our trigger because if we don't see some additional lower productions numbers coming out of South America and, and weather does improve down there, we may have to make some sales quicker than what we really realize we may need to. All right, Sam, for you. I would agree with some of Jeff's points there. I, I would definitely say for the short term, particularly for beans and maybe the wheat market, I would say buckle up. I think volatility could really bring its head back out of the out of the sheets here on this one over the next two to three months. I, I think it's gonna be tough to do that with corn. I think it's gonna be more of a follower. Uh, and, and like Jeff mentioned, I mean, carrying crop forward, you got to be cognizant of, of what risks, uh, you know, you take there uh, from an interest standpoint, from, you know, just a basis and carry standpoint in general. Look for those opportunities if you've got on-farm storage, uh, you know, these cash flow needs and, and, you know, the interest are becoming a, a bigger point of, uh, of determining what a guy should do. 
Uh, and at the end of the day, if we have to see higher prices here this spring, my guess is it's not necessarily demand led. And so from a basis standpoint, you know, leaving that door open all the way into spring and summer, if you see that carry right now, the only way you pick that up is to sell it and to lock that in. So I think you got to be mindful of those opportunities. And, uh, you know, those are the more boring things in marketing to take advantage of. It's not always the thing that people want to think about, uh, but unfortunately it's a necessity. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Wishing you both a, a very Merry Christmas and some great memories being made with friends and family. All right. That has been this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.